Hey, Psalm 118, verse 14. Um, let us rejoice today and be glad. This is a day that the Lord has made. In that verse, that concept of we will rejoice in the King James, I like that concept because it, it provides an intention there. Um, I'm reminded as I look out at many of the empty seats, I uh, pastored one time back in Nebraska in the Sand Hills, a little country church out there, 30 miles out of town, and you're driving through the hills, and you come over a hill, and here's this little little white country church sitting all by itself, and um, and I preached there, and if there was a snowstorm, you didn't have many people come out, because it was all ranchers back there in that area, and um, the story was told that the the uh, snowstorm had come in, and only a couple of people had showed up. And the, the pastor said to one of the ranchers, he said, should I go ahead and preach? And he said, well, if I go to feed the cattle and only a couple of them show up, I, I put the hay out there for them anyway. I feed them. <laughs> so after an hour of preaching and the service finally ending, the, uh, the rancher went up to the preacher and he said, well, I told you I'd feed them, but I didn't tell you I'd give them the whole load. So, we're, we're wrapping up the uh, fruit of the spirit. Now, you understand fruit starts off small and then develops and, and grows. And as we look at the gift that God is giving us, the indwelling of his Holy Spirit, Scripture tells us, you who are dead, he's made alive by giving us. So our our sinful nature is covered over. We become a new, all things become new, Scripture tells us. So we are an entirely different person after we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But then with that come the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So we're looking at uh, some, we're, we're moving on down now. We should be over to, and by the way, my goal is quite simple today, uh, to feed you uh, spiritually as a rancher would feed the cattle. Uh, I want you to be able to leave here feeling nourished that you have gotten something spiritually, something you can apply in life and uh, being nourished, being stronger, able to take on the challenges of the world. And on top of all that, I want you to leave here joyful. As I said, it's a day that God has made. Let us rejoice. We will rejoice. I want you to leave here feeling joyful for the presence of being in God's people, being in the presence of his Holy Spirit. Uh, I can remember years ago someone saying, you need to get it in your head, Dan, that this is, you're not going to be able to do that. And, uh, and that was always a challenge to me when somebody would say, you can't do that. So let me try at least. And so uh, kind of my goal today is I want to get something into your head. Uh, I had the privilege of coaching several different sports, several different teams. Uh, one of the biggest challenges came one time when one of the mothers in our congregation asked if I would attend a softball game for their daughters. And, and I went out, and they were the worst-looking team I'd ever seen. And uh, those girls didn't have any concept of the basics, how to throw a ball, catch a ball, hit a ball, what to do, which way to run when they hit a ball. It was totally alien to them. Uh, one of the biggest challenges was coaching a girl's team. You don't yell at girls the way you yell at guys. 
and, uh, and, and you don't holler at them. And even before the movie came out, I was quoting saying, you don't cry in a baseball game. Uh, this is baseball, don't cry. Um, so it was entirely different. But in that process, uh, I taught them to see it. If they could close their eyes and see what they were going to do with their hands, see that ball coming in in their mind. And uh, within a year, that bunch of girls out there, Dayton Ranchester bunch, uh, went on down to be the state champions. If they could see it up here, you'll do it down here. I want you to get in your head. Uh, Bob, I think of you when you're coaching tennis. If you could imagine and go home and see that, uh, New York Life used to do a thing when they go into high schools back in New York and New Jersey, and they would take kids that were not athletes, and they would sit them in a classroom, and they would show videos of men shooting free throws, foul shots. And they would say, now close your eyes and imagine that. And then at the end of the week, after they would every day, they'd have these lessons on drug abuse and, and the importance of saying no. At the end of the week, they'd have a big celebration. They'd go into the gymnasium, they'd take the boys' basketball team, and they'd line up these kids that all week long sat there and watched pictures and closed their eyes and saw it in their mind, going up to the line and flexing the wrist and, and shooting free throws. And almost every time, the kids that never handled the basketball got up there and would be able to do it. They would be able to defeat the boys on the team because they saw it up here. So today, if I could get it in your head, what God has given us. And today we're looking at the last. So, so uh, moving on down to Galatians chapter 5. Um, you, my brothers and sisters, are called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another highly in love, for the entire law is uh, fulfilled in keeping the command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. I can't tell you how many verses throughout Scripture emphasize the importance, the importance of unity. Um, Christ, just before he's going to the cross, the night before in the garden, he's praying, he said, Father, I pray that they may be one as we are one. So unity, I want us to come together as family. You, my brothers and sisters, are called to be free, but not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So verse 16, he goes on, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions. Uh, by the way, the, uh, some of these translations have that word as divisions. 
and factions, which are sects, S-E-C-T-S, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, you want to see here the tense in the Greek language is what they call the aorist tense. And that means continually continuing, if I could give that simplicity. So people that continually continue in this lifestyle are the ones should not and will not be seen going to heaven. So the aorist tense, if you continue in this, no change. I had an opportunity to present the gospel at a Bible study one evening, and there was a man in the Bible study, and he heard the good news, and, and it was a free gift. And he said, well, I'll make that, but I'm going to tell you right now, I don't plan to make any changes in my life. I kind of like what I'm doing. So I thought, you know, I don't think you really have the idea of what God's offering you here and what he's asking to to have you come about. So now pick it up now, verse 22. That was all the negative side of not living in the spirit or being led. And another term within the scriptures that is often overlooked or, or improperly uh, taken is the term filled by the spirit or filled with the spirit. And that simply means to be led by the spirit. And you open up your life and you allow God to lead you and you will know when it's right and when it's wrong. That's one of the greatest things about having the presence of the Spirit in your life. But I, I like words like that. Uh, also words like therefore when I get into Scripture and I see those words. Because now I'm getting an explanation now. So I saw what not to do. Now I'm going to see what's available on the positive side. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing there is no law. Those who belong to Christ, uh, Jesus, have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Um, I have taught that when you're struggling with a sin in your life and you crucify that sin, that old nature, go make the little wooden cross go out in the garden, hammer it in the backyard somewhere, and consider that as being crucified with Christ. Put that sin in the ground if you would. The problem we have as human beings, we, we get tempted and we yield back and we relapse. We want to go out and take the cross out of the ground and we want to go back to the old nature. So much easier if you have that visual sitting out there and you walk out there and say, now that sin I gave to the Lord, it's, it's buried, it's done, it's gone, it's out of here. So, now these are the things, the fruit of the Spirit. So, uh, as I look at this, I, I'm going to have you turn to First Peter. I talk about self-control. This becomes my part of letting the Spirit work in my life. I wanted to start, because I like Peter as a character, so I see myself in Peter. Uh, some of the struggles as a young man, uh, anger. Anger was one of the things that I needed to, and, and I hope now that I'm in my 70s, that gentleness is, is one of the things, the fruit that's being developed and is ripening in my life. Kindness, 
those are the fruit that I hope in my latter years. Um, do you realize that they changed the average uh, life expectancy in the United States after COVID? It dropped down to 73 uh, for the men. You women still have 76 on average. Uh, you're going to outlast us. Uh, but at 73, I want you to know that I could fall over here. Don't be alarmed. <laughs> you will get out early. <laughs> Here's one of my favorites, Peter. I see Peter because in his younger life, I see this ambitious guy. He's the one that took the sword, you know, and went for the centurions. I, he cut off his ear, but I think he was aiming for the middle of the head. The guy ducked. And um, he writes, he said, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen. Uh, I like that. We have been chosen. God chose us uh, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. He sets us apart. Keep that word in, in mind there, sanctifying. For obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. And look at this. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. All of Paul's letters, Paul always wrote, grace and peace unto you. Peter, though, has experienced something in his latter years as he writes this letter. Grace and peace in abundance. You understand that you can't have grace you can't have peace until you have grace. You can't have really an understanding of peace and security in your life until you've experienced God's grace. So we look at that grace and peace. I just want to take a couple of verses out here. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish. My salvation is secure, not for what I'm doing. My inheritance, my salvation is secure because it says here, it could never perish and or fade, kept in heaven for you, not kept here by me, kept in heaven by God. So I have that security. Uh, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. And once again, I want to encourage you to have a joy when you leave, knowing that you have made the greatest decision that could ever be made in your life. A little while ago, we got up here, and, and uh, this, this was rocking, and, and a young lady came up there. Lacey came up and said, just got to adjust this bottom foot thing. And I said, you ought to be uh, getting an education in engineering. And uh, I'm always interested in people that make choices, what they're going to do. Uh, my grandson, Tanyan, uh, that, that you used to see in the booth all the time here, he's, he's going to, aiming for a master's degree. He will get that. Uh, he'll actually start working on his college degree in his senior year as a physical trainer. Um, and, and I'm not sure where he ever got into this idea. I, someone at the school, I believe, uh, Bob, was a trainer there that got him interested in it. Um, but out of all the decisions, uh, what you do in life, 
who you marry, what you drive, all the decisions. There's none that is more impactful in your life than the decision to become a child of the king. And, and I want you to keep that in mind and, and find that joy in that. Let's turn on over to his second letter now. Second Peter, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who the righteousness of God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. You see, there is that faith. We, we develop faith, and we add to that faith. We grow in that, and the indwelling of the Spirit, those fruit that I read earlier in Galatians chapter 5, including self-control. Now, I believe that there's a building in that. If you look at self-control, it allows all these others to develop within our life. I, I'm just curious, uh, has Everyone reached their total capacity for self-control. Raise, raise your hand if, if you have that. Now I'm curious. What are some of the areas that we demonstrate that we don't have control? Talk to me. Anybody, raise a hand. Food. Oh, great example. Yeah. I, I, I know, I, I've gained a few this, this summer. <laughs> um, yeah, isn't that true? We, we sometimes don't experience self-control in that area. What are some of the other areas self-control is not practiced? In a, where? Oh, yeah. I have watched couples sitting in a restaurant talking to each other, texting each other, and, and it's almost, it's an addiction. It really is. Yeah, we don't have that control of cell phones. Anything else? Who's got a hand? Yes. Finances. Oh, my, yeah. You know, as a uh, pastor, as a marriage counselor for, for over 30 years, um, I would have to say that that was probably one of the leading factors that I saw enter into homes of divorce. Uh, finances. Yeah, we don't have control over that. Yep. And and the world baits us and they offer us these things they call credit cards. And and uh, yeah. Like the like the lady that got to the store and said, I can't be overdrawn. I've still got checks in the book. How about anger? Yeah, man, that's a tough one. Tough one, absolutely, yeah. But before the tongue is moved, it's usually seen up here, isn't it? Yeah. All right, so Peter goes on, he says, grace and peace be yours in abundance. And again, in abundance through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. The word mind, M-I-N-D, in the New Testament comes from a word in the Greek meaning a way of thinking. And it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I'm going to think like God. I'm going to think like Christ. How do we know how he thought? We know how he thought because he's written it down right here. 
We have the scriptures. So now that means that I've got to study. If I want to think like God, I want to think like the Lord, I need to read what the Lord has given us. And that means knowledge. His divine power, verse 3, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him, here we are back in the word, who called us by his own glory and goodness. This is the king by his glory and goodness. Through these, the glory and the goodness, through these he has given us his very great and precious promises. Uh, I, could, I could do a whole series of messages over probably six months of time on the promises God has given us. Uh, precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. That is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in your life. And escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control. Here is that fruit of the Holy Spirit. And then to self-control, perseverance. How often people struggle, they start out and say, I am going to do this, make a promise, swear to God, and, and, and are sure that this is going to be this, this is the last time that sin will occur, and they don't have the perseverance. Add to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, kindness, and to brotherly kindness, you add love. Now, that's, that's a great word. I want you to see that that word is the word agape, which is God's love for us. And, and I can't emphasize, when I talk about God's love for us, the importance of unconditional, unconditional a couple of weeks ago, I officiated a, a wedding. And, and I mentioned, this is not just some paper contract we have here. This is something God expects, no matter what, to stick it out and to stay together. So now I have here agape, unconditional love. And God allows us to share that with each other. Now, I'm not expecting you to get up on the way out of here. But if there's somebody you haven't seen and you see them today, and you're glad to see them, let them know that they're appreciated. Um, I, I got a, a text two weeks ago from a young man in the church family uh, just saying he appreciated some time I spent with him. And boy, that was a great shot in the arm for me to get that. Um, and then here just the other day, another text from a young man uh, that was struggling and spend a little time with him, and he's doing well today. And, and I get that text. And to be appreciated, well, God expects to be appreciated as well. And so take the time. All right, so I'm giving you self-control here, and, and I would do you no justice if I quit right there telling you. It's in the scripture. you got to practice. So I'm going to take it a little bit further today, and I'm going to give you four benefits of self-control. So I've given you the spiritual side. I'm going to give you a practical side here. 
four benefits of self-control. Then I'm going to give you four skills to improve your self-control as a believer. So you get those four, and I give you a bonus of four more, and you'll end up with thumbs up. And that's good. You like that? I like to see that. I've got a, a former Marine sitting out in the audience, and I used to tell the story about um, a friend of mine up in Montana that was a Marine, and um, he got his arm caught in a baler, and uh, he was a tough guy. He went in, and uh, it was all mangled and so- torn up, and he went in and sewed it on himself. And I said, how did that work? He said, not too bad. Four benefits of self-control. Self-control helps you build stronger relationships with God and with others. If I have self-control, when something doesn't go right within my marriage, I don't lose my, blow the top off, if you would, um, I practice self-control. Now, Pam is rolling over somewhere, I'm sure, and she's saying, well, I haven't seen that. Well, (laughs) number one, first benefit, it helps you build stronger relationships. Number one, with God and with others. Number two, self-control helps you to achieve goals. My father used to have an expression when I worked for the company he was with, and he said, if you aim at nothing, you're sure to hit it. And so pick a goal, aim for that goal. Self-control helps you achieve goals. Number three, self-control enables better adaptability to life changes or even worse yet, life challenges. Self-control makes us flexible. And so when something happens, I don't just fall apart. I look to God at that time. Say, Lord, there must be a reason. Must be a reason. What is that reason? Sometimes incidents that occur in our life, in this world, you may never know the reason God allowed it. But if it occurred in your life, accept that God is still on the throne. One of the most devastating times in my life, most hurtful times in my life as a pastor, and I called the director of the mission board that I was with at that time, and I was not very, very happy at all, and I was angry. And uh, so he quietly listened to me complain, whine, be a crybaby, and uh, at the end, when I was all out of the things I was going to say, he said, Dan, can I ask you one question. So, yeah. He said, is Christ still on the throne? And, and I just kind of realized how foolish I was. God is still in control because he's still on the throne. It wasn't God that was out of control or the situation. It was me that was out of control. Self-control enables better adaptability to life's changes. Number four, self-control is beneficial for our physical health. Um, 
Somebody mentioned food before. Was it that? Yeah. Uh, Self-control. Man, do the things that are safe. Do the things that are beneficial physically. Doctor told me one time, you know, I was having some some heart problems and I went in there and and I said, is this going to lead to a heart attack? He said, oh, Danny said, don't worry about it. He said, you'll never have a heart attack. You're a carrier. You're probably going to be inclined to give heart attacks. And uh, we only have so many beats that this muscle in there is going to give us in a lifetime. There's a number. Scripture tells us it's appointed. It's appointed. That means a specific time. Two things to remember in this world. Um, Only God can allow life. I've had that meeting with parents who found out their child was going to be, uh, have a baby. And only God can allow life to take place. Only God can allow a person to give up that life. So God's in total control. Self-control is beneficial for our physical health. All right, four benefits, first thumb up. Four skills now to improve your self-control. Number one. If it's Professor Keller, I give you number one, and I tell you implementation intention. Think on that for a little bit. Implementation intention. All right? Now, if it's Pastor Dan, that means plan ahead. First skill to develop self-control is to plan ahead. As I said before, if you could see the incident up here, you'll be able to function down here in the physical. Plan ahead. Number two. You know, come back to number one, planning ahead. I just want to bounce off that a little bit more here. Uh, So important to recognize what comes next and how you're going to react. Uh, I have counseled mothers that had small children and have come in, sat in the office and said, I get visions in my mind of my child having an accident and being hurt in an accident. And that's not an unusual thing because you are preparing in your mind what you're going to do should that accident occur. Not unusual, not unnatural. All right, number two, schedule. Regular prayer time. Schedule. Don't just happen to. Now, through the day, I find myself, things happen, and I say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And uh, things happen above and beyond, and I'm seeing God's hand more and more in everything I do in life. But schedule prayer time. Have a time that is just set aside. I don't care if it's five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the evening, schedule time that you're going to meet with God and have that conversation. We call it prayer. Number three, uh, get enough sleep. Um, I talked to somebody on the phone yesterday and they're not here today because I recommended to them that they get some rest. And we have a cyclative effect. 
that when we get physically tired, the fellas, have you ever noticed when your wives get tired, they get just a little bit growly or vice versa when they're tired? If you get physically worn down, you will get... I, by the way, I mentioned that, and I see smiles coming out. I say, yeah, I know what you're talking about, Dan. If you are worn down physically, you're going to get worn down emotionally. And then it spirals down, because if you're worn down emotionally, you're fatigued emotionally, you're going to wear down physically. And you know, one of the foolish things that we do when we get worn down emotionally well, the first thing, we try to stay busy. I'll just get busy and I'll ignore what's going on. Instead of resting in God and finding the peace that comes from the gift of grace that he's given us. Stop what you're doing. Don't try to get busier. Just get enough rest. Rest the body and the mind. And then, number four, invest in your physical health. Um, my brother in the back there struggling with shoulder. Uh, I don't know if you knew that I had torn my shoulder. I had shoulder surgery. And then, do you remember I had to wear that silly thing, that this big block they had under there for several weeks and uh, several months? And um, it, it was kind of a nuisance. And I went into the doctor for a checkup. And he says, you know, Dan, he said, I do a lot of shoulder surgeries during the winter because old people slip and they go to fall and they brace themselves and mess up the shoulders. He said, so be careful, whatever you do. Two days later, I was bringing the garbage can up and I was parking it next to the garage where it goes and, and I had that big cast here. So I was being careful because I didn't want to rest this up. I mean, it was best of bad. I tore, tore four of the five muscles in there and, and, I wasn't, and I slipped and I put this hand down to catch me Messed up the shoulder instead. <laughs> so, so when summer's over, I may go back to the doctor and I'm embarrassed to tell him. <laughs> Guess what I did? So invest in your physical health. Take good care of yourself. Eat healthy. Walk. Get up. Move. Whatever you can do. Uh, and I know that it hurts in the morning. <laughs> with the shoulders getting stretched out. But those are the four skills to improve your self-control. Plan ahead. Regular prayer. Schedule regular prayer time. Get enough rest. God, with all his infinite power, almighty power, on the seventh day, rested. Did he need a rest? He was setting an example for us that we need to get that rest. So there you go. Get enough sleep and invest in your physical health. That improves your self-control. There's self-control wrapped up. Now, it's a fruit. I have to be able to work with God to prune, to change. Um, we have a garden and uh, tomato plants that are well over six feet tall and, and they're falling over the fence and uh, Pam's going to go out and she's going to prune on those. We need some pruning in our own lives sometimes. So with that, I'm going to close in prayer. 
then I'll ask the worship team to join us up here and we'll sing one more song. Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you've given us in your word. And Father, as the fruit of the Holy Spirit, self-control is so important to us. Father, I pray that we leave here today just reminiscing, Lord, what we have looked at in the scripture, the importance of building these other aspects in our life. And Father, that self-control is a foundation for all these other fruit. Now, Lord, I pray that as we leave, we'd also be recognizing and, and sharing with you, Father, even this prayer time now, Father, our appreciation for what you have done in our lives, the promises that you have made, Lord, that we will be alive for eternity. And now, Lord Jesus, I pray a blessing on these people for the time they've spent here today. I pray that they may leave. And if there be one here, Lord, that doesn't have the knowledge and the confidence of the Spirit in their life, that they would speak to one of the brothers or myself before they leave. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.